Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to My Team, My Voice with MTMB Sports. What's up, guys? John here, coming at you, representing Tinseltown, La La Land itself. That's right. It's LA Confidential bringing you the newest Laker podcast up-to-date game breakdown, up-to-date game analysis, what is scenarios, outlooks for the season, whatever it is. If it's Lakers, I'm bringing it on the MTMV Sports Podcast Network, trying to start your week off right every Monday with LA Confidential. Thank you. Come hang out. Y'all already know who it is. It's your boy Loso, man. And y'all listen to the number one sports podcast out, MTMV Sports. Y'all still Dope. I'm getting a chance to talk to him today. Um, Jeff, how are you doing, sir? Tell us about yourself. Uh, I'm doing good, Rick. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been uh, writing sports uh, for uh, online and, and print publications for almost 25 years now. Uh, I started... Uh, uh, back in uh, in 1994, I was covering uh, uh, high school sports, but also the NFL, as well as college football and basketball, and I spent time covering the Big Ten, uh, as well as the uh, FCS, the uh, Football Championship Subdivision, and um, for uh, uh, the last 12 years, I was working for Stats, Inc., which is a sports research company, the largest in the world, and we did a lot of in-depth uh, preview coverage of college football, uh, as well as the FCS, uh, FBS and FCS, and uh, currently I'm, uh, I'm uh, making a go of it as a freelancer and uh, uh, writing college football for both uh, The Game House uh, and Yard Barker, so you can find me at uh, uh, TheGameHouse, G-A-U-S, uh, .com, as well as uh, YardBarker.com, and uh, on Twitter at uh, Jeff m 401 so uh yeah be, be sure to give me a, a check out if you like what you hear and uh yeah i'm ready to go i love college football i've been around it a lot and i got a lot of experience covering it and, and analyzing it and researching it and um you know it's a great time of year we're getting we're getting down to uh to crunch time of the regular season uh post seasons uh, bowl season and then uh, like you mentioned it's never too early to talk about the draft no not at all um i'm you know the whole nation if you're a fan of college football, if you're a fan of even the NFL, you still want to know who's in the college playoffs, who's going to be one of those teams at the end of the day um, that I can I'll pay attention to and watch, and who's going to possibly, possibly challenge Alabama <laughs> um, for the for the title this year. So I want to know from you. I ran across on one of your interv- on one of your um, articles, right? And I know that you're an authority in, in um, college football. I just need to know who's in, who's one of the who's the four teams that are going to make the college playoffs? Well, assuming – I don't think right – I think right now what we're seeing so far, those top four teams in the, in, in the few um, college football playoff rankings that have come out, uh, those, they got it right. They, they got the, so far they've gotten it right, and there's really no reason to believe that it should be any different. Um, Alabama, I believe, is the clear-cut number one. I think everybody could agree with that. Clemson has played a strong enough schedule and dominated that schedule with the exception of the game against uh, Syracuse uh, to where they warrant that number two. Uh, now the game against Syracuse, Trevor Lawrence, their, their, their fine freshman quarterback, was banged up. 
Kelly Bryant was no longer on the team, so they had to kind of uh, do a little adjusting on the fly and went with the guy who started the year as their third-string quarterback that got them through. But they have the best defensive line in, 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 the, in the country, um, and, and we could definitely talk about them when we talk about the draft. Uh, and then, you know, the, the two teams that are at three and four, I think Notre Dame, um, it's a team either you love or you hate, but you've got to give them a lot of credit this year because uh, I think they have one of the more unheralded defenses of the, uh, uh, in the country. They're, they're averaging, allowing less than 20 points per game. Uh, they have a very good quarterback. I think an Ian Book is another guy who, again, doesn't maybe get the, the attention he deserves. Uh, he wasn't their starter at the beginning of the year, uh, but he's a fine player, and they just they beat you. They're methodically. They don't make many mistakes. They're methodically. They don't they don't make many mistakes, and that's what you that's what you need. And again, they've played a, they've played a solid schedule. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them uh, uh, this week again this weekend against um, uh, Syracuse at Yankee Stadium, and then Michigan. Uh, that's that's a team that I think we're finally starting to see the the what Jim Harbaugh can do uh, for that team, and that's based on defense. The offense is, is okay. Shea Patterson's a good quarterback. Uh, they've got a nice running game, but it's all about defense there. And I think if if things hold up the way we're seeing the the, the, the playoff rankings right now, they very mel- they very well might be the team that could could give. Alabama the hardest time from a defensive standpoint. Now whether they could score on Alabama's defense is is another is another question because right now Alabama is the most complete team in the country. What separates the defense at Alabama from the defense at Michigan? Well, the defense at Alabama they just have better players. They have athletes. They have guys that that are. I mean, you think about it. They're the number one recruits at their position. A majority of them. Um, they're, they're these freakishly talented athletes that have that, the, the linemen have the good combination of speed and size and quickness, uh, as well as the way they're coached up too. And I think that, that goes a lot that, that, that sometimes we, we hear about Nick Saban, you know, about Nick Saban, how this guy is, is, is one of the greatest coaches in America, but why? Well, he surrounds himself with good people. He also plays he also the system that he 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 allows his players to to play to their talents and thrive and he he gets the best to play into a system and he's a grinder i mean he's a guy that you know he's he's working 23 and a half hours a day i mean he doesn't sleep that's why he's the best uh over at michigan it's not to say that they don't have uh elite athletes but you know michigan is they're a top 10 recruiting they're in the top 10 in, in in recruiting but i think they're also a for the style of play, you have to also look at the teams they play. The SEC is a more wide open. It's the fastest conference in America. You need players to play at that level, that speed, to be able to, to play at almost an NFL level when it comes to the speed. In the Big Ten, it, you're grinding out things. You don't, you know, it's still about running the football. You need to be tough up front. Michigan this year, though, has that, you know, that kind of nice combination of size in speed, Chase Winovich, I think, is is going to be uh, uh, going to be a high draft pick. I don't know, maybe about first round uh, up there. You know, one of their rusher pass rushers. I think he's definitely a guy you need to watch for. But they're just active, and and it's that that speed. Now I don't know if that speed could it, it could do well in the SEC. I don't know if it, it could be up there with Alabama or or maybe a Georgia. But I think it uh, or even LSU at this point. But I think it's definitely this is that year where they kind of have a, they're more complete than they have been, and that just uh, they're also deeper too. This is one of, of Michigan's deeper defenses that we've seen in a few years as well. So people have questions about um, two teams in particular. One is is their possibility of a two-loss SEC team 
getting into the college playoffs? And then is there any possibility, and I mean any possibility, of us seeing UCF um, sneak their way in? I mean, they haven't been beaten in quite some time, right? Is there any way they can sneak their way into this college playoffs? Right now they're ranked like 11th. Yeah, let's start with that first because I don't see anything – I don't really see a scenario where that will happen Um, because there's just too much ahead of you that – I mean, if if you look at what's ahead of them right now, the winner of the Big 12, which if things are are the way they look, West Virginia and Oklahoma, those are – you know, one of those are going to be ahead of them. Washington State, which at the Pac, you know, they're going to they have a good chance of winning the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 isn't very strong again, and I don't think that they're going to get anybody, regardless of what Washington State does. Let's say Washington State wins it; they're the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Even if the, I don't think they're going to get any higher than six, so US UCF Central Florida is not going to get higher than them, just based on the teams they've played, and also look, and even the Big Ten as well too, because if Ohio State beats Michigan. Now all of a sudden Ohio State is back in the conversation for the the um, for that number for that number four spot. Let's say, assuming Notre Dame remains undefeated, Clemson wins the ACC and Alabama wins the SEC. Um, yeah, I don't really see UCF getting anywhere near there, and also because they haven't been as dominant as they were uh, last year. Um, they've had some tough games, you know, and, and tough games against teams that you would think are, are, are beatable or that Jay should be favorable. You know, you know, they were trailing SMU at one point this year. Um, Memphis, they should have lost to Memphis. Um, you know, and then even last week against Navy, that was, not, or, or, uh, that was not a completely dominant effort. And if you are a, if you're not a Power 5 school, you need to be dominant every week. And I mean really dominant. I mean 20 points, never really being in danger of even losing leads. So that's why I think it's, 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 it's really tough for them to have. The only way they're getting in is if they ever expand and they go to maybe eight teams or something. But, um, and then that would almost be a guarantee. Uh, and then getting back to your first question, a two-loss team? Well, I mean, I think the, 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 the two that would, you know, would kind of, uh, you know, LSU is kind of the one right now that it, it looks like they're the, uh, they're, that's the one that there's, you know, people are scratching their heads about because they, uh, um, you know they're currently, as far as the the, the playoff committee uh, is going, is having them. You know, they're, they're kind of high here. I mean, they're, I think they're tenth right now. And yes, they do play in the SEC, but they're not going to play for a conference championship. But they are ahead of some teams that may. You know, Ohio State still has that. Ohio State is ahead of them. But I mean, when you have you you look at them, I mean, where where would they fit in? The, I think the committee likes them a lot just because of their strength of schedule and the fact that they, they did play Alabama relatively close, even though they didn't score on them. Um, but I think when it all boils down to it and it comes down to it, I think the only, the only way you would – I mean, I can't even figure out how that would happen right now if that was, if that was, was to happen. And because you figure if Michigan loses to Ohio State, they're not getting in. Um, then Ohio State now, on the flip side, you know they would have one loss, and, and, and say they beat Ohio, say they beat Michigan next week, and then win the Big Ten championship game. Well, there's not even a guarantee they were going to get in because now you have that Big Twelve, and especially if it's Oklahoma, that's who I think would would jump them, even if we had, um, even if there was, uh, uh, 
even regarding what their defense is like this year. So I think that two loss, I think there's still enough potentially one loss teams out there. Then Washington State now also has an argument too. So um, I, yeah, I think two losses is a little tough this year. So I'm I'm almost um, I don't know hard pressed to to ask this question because I feel like I know the answer, right? And I feel like the whole country thinks they know the answer, um, but at the same time. You never know, right? Like you think you know, you think you know, but you don't quite know because we have to play it out on the field. But if I have to ask you right now as an expert opinion on who do you think wins the whole thing? Who takes the the trophy home this year? Is there a possibility that Alabama gets upset and somebody else walks away with the goal this year? I think there always is. I mean, if you were to ask me, at the beginning of the year when we're watching Alabama roll through these teams, I'm like, okay, they still haven't been, they still haven't been tested. And I look at a team like Clemson that has got a little bit, have a te- they've, they've survived some of these tests. They go into these different places and can win. The question surrounding whether or not Alabama can do it is, and I think it's kind of been answered, uh, it was definitely answered with, with, um, with at, at LSU, excuse me, um, the fact that they really played, that was a complete game. Then you saw that what they can do, that they don't necessarily, you know, they can grind you out if they have to. They could play, they could really play any type of game. And I don't know if there's that many teams that can do that because their defense is so good and their offense can beat you in, in, in a lot of different ways. It's just that we haven't seen it showcased on a consistent basis because they haven't had to do it. Now, one area to keep in mind and a concern is with their quarterback. You know, Tua Tagliavola is he's obviously you know, he's the Heisman frontrunner right now, and he's had such an easy time winning games, but he's banged up. And we don't know if you know, that, 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 that SEC championship game is going to go a long way in saying, I think, Personally, I think Alabama is going to win, and I think they'll probably win it by more than 10 points against Georgia. But I, it depends on how they go about doing it. And plus, if he gets hurt further, and that knee isn't as, as healthy as, as maybe they're letting off to be, Nick Saban's saying, then, then there's, there's reason to believe that they could run into some trouble. Again, I think Michigan is a team that could give them some fits defensively, um, but I don't, think Michigan could, can, I don't think Michigan has the offense to – to sustain drives and to make enough big plays to beat them. Clemson comes the closest because they can run the football well. Trevor Lawrence is, is not a freshman. He, he is a freshman, but he's already playing above his years. That's what we, we, we've expected from him. Um, but I think there's still that, that pressure. You throw him into, those, into, the, into the college football playoffs in a Final Four situation, and we don't really know what to expect. Of course, anybody could be beaten. I don't see this Alabama team losing, though. If you had to kind of um, rate or rank Shea Patterson, how good is this kid? Well, I, I think he's good for the Big Ten. Um, and the thing that I've, I've, I've liked about him is that he's, he continues to get better. But they're not asking him to do – they're not asking him to be a, a savior. And the reason why is because that defense has been so good. And you also have a pretty good running back. In, uh, in 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 Higdon, who's you know he's gonna he's over a thousand yards, so he's got some good some good so he's got a good supporting cast there to help him. Will it translate into the pro level? I don't know. I mean that's that's something where you know there's talk. Is this you know is, is should he should he turn pro next year? Well, you know we could touch on this in a little bit, but this is not going to be a particularly 
deep draft for quarterbacks. I mean, this is, there'll, there'll be some, you know, the, the ones that we know aren't going to be picked probably in the first or, or, or second rounds. I mean, the majority of them. There are a couple that will, will, are standouts, and that's because they relate well to the pro level. Um, I don't think anybody is – Patterson isn't turning anybody's head, but I think – he, you know, he, he's been able to, to thrive in this system. And when I say thrive, he's been able to, to be successful because he hasn't made a lot of mistakes and he's not, he's not asked to do you know, what the other Michigan quarterbacks over the last couple of years had to do. And those guys didn't have near the talent that, that they have at him. But I think he could I, – I would – you know, I'm not, he's not listening to me on decisions, but I think another year would be great for him in college. And, and then the opportunity to, to see where that, that takes you um, – and you know, listen, the guys we see in the NFL today that are getting their chances are not people we expected. I mean, you look at the San Francisco 49ers and you know, and things like that. With the so there's, you, you, it's really tough to gauge what a guy is going to be like in the NFL, especially if he's not this this superstar on the college level. I mean, that that's that's you know, is he the next Tom Brady? Maybe. He could be if he's in the right system. I think a lot of that also depends. Yeah, a lot of it depends on the system. But I don't, you know, I don't know if he's ready to to take that step right now. Okay, so we don't know for sure if if you know in the next year or so he's going to be one of those top um, prospects in the NFL draft. Um, but we have a pretty decent idea about who are some of the top prospects right now. Um, enlighten us. Who are some of those guys who we can look for in like the top ten, top fifteen of this upcoming draft? Well, I could, could tell you it's definitely going to be a defensive-heavy first couple of rounds, and specifically the first round. And when I mean defense, it's specifically on the defensive line. Um, this may be the deepest draft for uh, top-tier level defensive linemen and pass rushers that we've seen in quite a long time. Uh, I mean, you're, you, you, know, you look at these projected, these mock drafts, and uh, you, you see what scouts are talking about. And, you know, your first five picks, five to six picks, could be all defensive players uh, and, 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 or in the top ten. You know, clearly more than half could be. Um, you know, Nick Bosa, who, who you know, we know he's coming out from Ohio State. Now he's got some, some injury issues. But he's a guy that just by the, the freakish nature of his ability is someone that is, is always up at the top. He's going to be a first-rounder, whether he's the top pick. I don't know. I think, again, a lot is going to depend on the health or when what teams believe in him um, or what they believe he can do. And, and do they think he's someone that they're willing to wait a year on and groom if he's not completely healthy or wait to you know, maybe not have him right away at the start of the season? Um, you know, there's guys like Ed Oliver. And, again, now he's also dealing with some issues. He's the, the – um, uh, the, the, the standout defensive tackle from Houston. And, you know, he's the guy, he's probably the best defensive tackle in the country right now. Uh, and, again, he's in that one to three range as far as where he's going to go. Uh, he's kind of got that Aaron Donald kind of look to him. He's a little faster, uh, maybe even a little stronger. Um, and then also depends on, too, who's coming out. We mentioned the, 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 um, the Clemson defensive line. And, you know, you've got two guys on there, Cleveland Farrell and, and Dexter Lawrence, underclassmen, opted to come back this year. Um, and now they, they've got a chance, and they'll most likely come out. I think a lot of it depends on what Clemson does in, in the playoff. They win a national championship. I'm sure half that team's going to go pro <laughs> or something. So, um, you know, those guys, those are two guys that I think are definite first-round picks. Um, and then you've got, like, these, these edge rushers, you know, these kind of hybrid defense, mostly outside linebackers that could, you know, defensive ends or guys that could kind of fit well in that 3-4 that system. Um, you know, people like Josh Allen from Kentucky, 
he's kind of a beast, and, and he's, he's, he's really had a breakout season. Uh, he's someone definitely uh, to watch. Um, and then, you know, again, interior guys, and that seems to be where we're seeing a lot of, um, potentially a lot of, a, a lot of depth. Uh, if they come on now, Quinn and Williams from Alabama is, 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 is he's, you know, he's going to be there. Um, but you know, people decisions to make, uh, um, Rashawn Gary from Michigan, uh, uh, Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi state. You know, those are, those are guys, Requan Davis from Alabama, underclassmen that you, you think we're projecting them to go there. Uh, but those seem to be the, the big names for me as far as, um, the, the guys that are expected to go for early on, and, and, and again, defense is where we're kind of looking. And then also on defense, you know, Greedy Williams, LSU uh, defensive back. Uh, he's only a sophomore, but he's, he seems like he's ready to go. He could be the best cover guy out there. DeAndre Baker from Georgia is also very good. Um, and then Deontay Thompson from Alabama. I think those are your top three uh, defensive backs, and I think they all will go in the first round. Um, you know, quarterback, everybody wants to know about a quarterback, and, and I think a lot will hinge on whether Oregon's Justin uh, Herbert decides to come out. I think that's an important, he's, you know, he's, he's an underclassman, and is he going to be ready to, to, to come out, or will he stay one more year? And then, you know, I don't know how many other, I don't know, I think that it's still more of a defense, like I mentioned, a defensive heavy first round, but there's always a chance a guy like Will Greer can, can you know, can jump into that first round if he's, if you want to take that gunslinger, that the guy who's got confidence and someone who, again, you don't have to throw in right away, but someone who you're willing to groom. And Ryan Finley is another guy at North Carolina State who may sneak his way into the end of the first round. Again, that's somebody who the pros, the, the pro scouts like him because he's got that NFL. You know, you hear the, the the terms. He's got the NFL game, the NFL arm, the NFL build, and you know he might have some of that. Look, he's 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 a pro style. Any pro style quarterback who who is an accurate passer. Uh, is someone that's going to get that label? So I think those are, those are somebody those are some guys to watch. So you would say uh, for sure, almost that this is definitely not a quarterback draft, right? Like it's not one of those years with quarterback draft. Doesn't no, seem because, to be. A... Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't see. I think it's. I mean, listen, there will be you know the big you know there will be guys. The big names that you see in college right now will be going. I mean, you know, Jake Browning, Brett Rippon at Boise State, um, Clayton Thorson, Northwestern, uh, Trace McSorley, Penn State. Those guys will get drafted, but I, they're not first round. They're not first round picks. I think right now the three guys that I, the the two guys Finley and Herbert. I think if Herbert decides it's time to go, he's a guy that I. Those two are are my choice to be first potential first rounds, and it's potential. Um, Drew Locke at Missouri, big arm, uh, kind of a, in that Jared Goff kind of mode. Uh, he he's another guy, but he makes you know he's you, you're, he still needs some polish, I think. Um, but there's definitely guys that you can get later, and almost I mean, listen, if you're not in need for a if you're a pro team that doesn't need a quarterback right away, then some of the bigger names, the people you know, the you know the Brownings, the um, the Nick Fitzgeralds at, at, at Mississippi State, and he's even more of a, a uh, uh, he's kind of like an image Trubisky mold. Um, you could wait on those guys, and you know you can grab them in the third or fourth round or even later, and then develop them and use them as someone that that you need to throw into a pinch and and things like that. So yeah, I mean they're definitely going to to be picked, but I, I think it's deep in the sense you don't need to go get and get them right away. 
So right now, CBS has um, has Drew Locke as the number fourth pick in the first round, going to the New York Jets. Does that like does that shock you? Does, is that like a headline thing, um, or or I mean, they just throwing darts at walls? What do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I don't know why they would do that. I mean, they just took a they just drafted they moved up to take a pick. Um, you said the Jets, right? <laughs> no, the Giants. Oh, the Giants. Uh, well, I mean, they need a quarterback, and it's it's. It, I think we saw this with this past year's NFL draft, where we had four quarterbacks taken in the top ten and five in the first round, and of those four taken early on, they could have really been in any order. I mean, I don't think the order was. You know, you were surprised at who took whom and and when they took them, but. Really, they could have. They were almost interchangeable, and we're starting to see, you know, uh, with Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, those two, and, and Darnold. Um, it's just what a team's preference is. If, if, you know, in Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield wasn't graded as the highest quarterback coming out of that draft, uh, into that draft, by a lot of scouts. But the Cleveland Browns felt that he was the guy that best ran their system. Drew Drew Locke has a huge arm. Drew, you know, he's he's strong. Uh, he can make a lot of throws. So if they feel that, well, you know, we've got this 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 star running back in, in Saquon Barkley, and we use him a lot in the pass game, but also, you know, maybe we go out and get another veteran receiver, and if Beckham's still around, you've got a you know a potentially elite tight end in Evan Ingram, then you want a guy if you feel that he works well with those pieces. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I really don't, I don't with quarterbacks now unless it's you know he's has the potential to be a superstar, and, and that's what everybody is saying. Um, I don't think anything should surprise any fans. I think it's, it's, it's team preference, and I don't think anymore it's about where they're actually picking. Because we've seen in recent years people drafting up, training up to get guys. We saw it with the Bears with Mitch Trubisky, which shocked a lot of fans in Chicago. Um, but that, that, that's the norm now. Teams are willing to do whatever it takes and pay whatever kind of money to a guy that they feel best fits their system. So I guess just to, to go back to what you asked, no, it doesn't surprise me that, that Drew Locke is up there. Because I think he's, again, I think he's a top-five quarterback that, that we know is going to be there next year or in the draft. So which position would you say in this draft is going to be the least represented? I mean, we, we know about the D-line. It seems to be a strong D-line draft, a strong interior um, draft, but what – position do you think would be the least represented i mean outside of kicker you know like but which well, would be I mean, the you least know, represented? you know the 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 i don't know if this is going to be a, a particularly strong draft for running backs and mm. i mean obviously you know tight ends and fullbacks and um those positions aren't ones that necessarily guys will be be drafted in and kickers and things where you see a lot of a lot of a lot of action but i uh, i'd like to just talk about the running back situation because i don't think there are a lot of must-have guys out there. Bryce Love from Stanford was one who, who, someone who, when the season started, everybody was looking at him. You know, he was the Heisman favorite. He was a guy that, um, you know, was this bona fide first round. Well, he's had trouble staying on the field um, with health for health reasons as well. Plus, he just did not have a very good offensive line in front of him, and their offense has struggled all season. That does not mean he's not going to be a very good NFL running back. Um, but I think what you're seeing more of is kind of these shifty, um, uh, versatile backs 
that we're we, you know we're seeing you know the 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 pound because it, it, now right now you have the the one and the one A running backs in the NFL. I mean you have your your big guys and you have your 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 little ones. It's the it's not running back by committee, but it's you know the the yin and the yang, the thunder and lightning type thing. So uh, I think we'll 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 continue to see more of that, and I think Love could fit in with an NFL team. I don't know if he's a first, I don't think he's a first rounder anymore. I mean. Um, but again, we don't know what what these teams are thinking. I just don't see it as being um, a must-have. There's guys out there that are must-haves. I think David Montgomery is an interesting uh, runner at, at Iowa State. Um, the guy that I like actually is Justice Hill at Oklahoma State. He he could play big. He could also be a, a threat to you in the passing game. I think he's a three-down guy, uh, and he's also confident. And he, he plays with a lot of confidence and. Uh, now again, he played in a very good system, uh, but you know, to me, he's a guy that I think might sneak his way into the to, to the uh, into the first round. Now, now, let's also remember combine the combine performances will have a lot to do with this and these pro days and things like that. That's where teams tend to fall in love with players that maybe you and I wouldn't think were worthy of of a high draft pick. Um, and then another name to think about is Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma, who. Kind of had a had a breakout in the late in the season last year and played well in the uh, uh, in, in the college football playoff against Georgia. Uh, and then he you know he was he was ready for big things this year and he gets hurt early on, done for the season. But he's someone that if he decides to come out because he's a junior, if he feels like you know he's healthy and he's ready to go, then he's another guy to watch. But I don't know if anybody's really saying there's I, th- I think you have your chance to wait a little bit on running back and and also too you diamonds in the rough are all over the place now at these skill positions so would you say that this year's draft is a particularly deep draft because some of the guys you mentioned the running back seem to be um guys who come off in maybe the second or third round i remember um last year when you have guys like kamara and hunt right I'm in the third round and you'll find valuable guys i mean right now fantasy world changing guys right um who they found in like the third round? Is this one of those drafts where some of the talent will be um, second and third, maybe even the fourth round? I think at your skill positions, yeah. Um, I, I think for guys who are potentially can make the immediate impact, yes. Um, yeah, I think I think that you're right on the money with that. More so at the running back position. At least that's my opinion, and that's what you know. Doing the research and looking at what, how, kind of how things fit in. Um, I would say that's that's probably a good point. Now, again, when we say, yeah, second and third round, I mean, I think you can get your value in the in the second and third round because if you're looking, if you have a position with a glaring need or spot a team that has a glaring need, you're going to go and get one of those things. And a lot, you know, defensive people always want more pass rushers or you want more offensive linemen. There's some good offensive linemen in there. Maybe a handful will be taken in the first round, as, as there usually are. Um, but I think really that the 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 quest to get these elite defenders because there are so many interior defenders as well as rush guys that's where that's where the premium is going to come and I and yeah you're right I mean a guy like Alvin Kamara or someone like a Tariq Cohen you can find those guys and if you feel they fit into your system it doesn't matter where they went to school it doesn't matter who they are it doesn't matter what they're projected to be teams will find them that's why scouting is become so important. Now, nowadays, it's not just 
what someone does for the big-name schools, not just how many yards they're putting up. They want guys that can catch the football. They want guys that can run between the tackles. They want guys that can return kicks. They want guys that they can use in the slot. I mean, they want everybody who can, who can do a little bit, these, these versatile-type players, because offensive now, offenses now in the NFL are so wide open, and you have multiple receiver sets, and you're using your running backs pass catchers more, that you, you want these, these kind of do-it-all, all-purpose guys and there are enough to find and not have to pay these exorbitant amount of, amount of money to pay. Because nobody's really paying, with the exception of Barkley, I think, last year. Uh, nobody's, unless he's a standout, unless he's a can't-miss guy who can change your offense. Uh, and there's nobody like that in, in the 2019 draft from either a receiver or a, um, a running back standpoint that I think uh, you're definitely worth waiting. And then again, finding those people, trusting your scouts, believing in what they see doing your homework as far as you know, the character of the player, sustainability, all those things. And it's not necessarily going to be the people that we know or that the casual fan knows. So let's, let's dive even deeper into the, the people who casual fans won't know because those are the guys who make the draft like insanely awesome, right? It's those small yeah. school guys who nobody really knows about. They come out of nowhere, and you know, they just kind of rock our worlds, right? Who's some of those guys this year? Do you have any small school gyms that we we should keep our eyes on? Yeah, there's a couple that I really like, and they're both receivers, and they're both out of the FCS, so the the, the old Division One AA. One of them is his name is Keelan Doss, and he is a wide receiver uh, out of uh, UC Davis. Uh, he actually he's a senior. He, he actually thought about going pro a year ago. Uh, and he's a he's a really uh, a nice receiver. Dan Hawkins, who used to coach at uh, Boise State in Colorado, is his head coach. And, uh, and and through my dealings with with college football, I had a chance to talk with with Dan last year, and he told me that he is one of the best players he's ever coached. Uh, and, and as far as talent, he's he'll enter this weekend. Uh, he's only 13 uh, catches shy of, of 300 for his career. He's uh, scored 26 touchdowns in four years. He's 6'3", he's 210, he's got a nice build, he can play in the slot, he can, you know, he can go deeper, he's got, you know, his, he, he could do a little bit of everything, and we've seen receivers come from that level. Uh, Cooper Cup is one that comes to mind with the Rams. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, we've seen make those strides. I think this is a guy to, to, to keep your eye on. Another one also out of the, uh, of the FCS, Sam Houston State, is Davion Davis. Now, he's banged up a little bit right now, but he is certainly someone to keep your eye on and remember that name because he is, is a player that he's kind of in, that, in, in, that, um, in, the, in the, the mold that we just mentioned of Doss, big play guy. He, he's got great hands, and he's someone that can stretch the field for you, but also is, 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 is good enough to, to be a factor in, in possession-type situations. So I, I think those are two guys that I like um, from, obviously, smaller schools that we've, we've never heard of, or you've, most of the fans have never heard of, so, um, but definitely willing to watch because that's kind of you know, where, where that, that trend is going right now. And in the case of Davis, I mean, he's only played eight games this season, already has 10 touchdowns, he's got 40 for his career. So that's pretty impressive to, to me. Um, and then staying in the FBS level, the, the, you know, and, and this is a guy who I've liked now a lot. I saw him last, kind of got introduced to him last year, and I think college football fans should know a little about him. If he decides to come out, Devin Singletary, he's a junior, he's at Florida Atlantic, they call him Motor, he, uh, he's that he's kind of in that that Alvin Kamara type. He's not as big, but he he's 
maybe a, a, a little stronger, a little faster, a little quicker, Darren Sproles when Sproles was in his prime. Uh, he's a guy that could be a great uh, third down back for you, but he also has the ability to run between the tackles. If he decides to come out, which many people believe he will, then he's someone certainly to watch for. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball uh, is a young man that plays uh, in the, in the Mid-American Conference at Northern Illinois, and his name is Sutton Smith. And he's also a junior, and there's talk that he may come out. Um, he's an undersized defensive end, but he led the country in sacks last year, and he's one of the leaders again this year in, uh, in tackles for loss and sacks. He, he's a converted running back. He, he's got that high motor. He plays fast. He's double-teamed every week, and he still ends up uh, getting to the quarterback. If he comes out, that's somebody who, who uh, you, you might want to keep an eye on and also maybe uh, could potentially be used as a, uh, as a strong safety or, uh, or a little smaller outside linebacker. So those are just a few guys that I'm, I'm, I, I would think to keep your eye on. Jeff, you are incredible, sir. I'm glad there's people here who want to listen to it, too. So. <laughs> Good Lord. I, w- I would listen to this podcast. If I wasn't doing the podcast, right, I'd <laughs> listen to it over and over and over again. And this is incredible information. Um, thank you so much for uh, coming on um, and, and blessing us with all this cool information. Um, do me a favor. Tell us one more time where we can find you, where we can reach you, and, and how we can get in contact with you. Uh, if you want to see, I'm on Twitter. It's Jeff. It's uh, lowercase Jeff J E F F M. Is in Mary 401. And you could also uh, search me at the Game House. That's T H G A M E H A U S dot com. Uh, click on their. You go to that site. You click on their college football. I provide a lot of the college football. Uh, I do weekly game previews there, uh, as well as a Heisman watch and five players to watch each week. Uh, with them, and then for yardbarker.com, that's Y-A-R-D-B-A-R-K-E-R. Uh, I also do um, some more in-depth college football game previews, uh, as well as a lot of other stuff, um, other sports too. I also do college basketball. So, um, yeah, those are those are the, the the main places right now. And um, yeah, anytime you you guys want to talk football or anything, I'm, I'm here. I really enjoy it. I'm glad. Uh, uh, I appreciate the time uh, that that you guys uh, allow me to talk. Yeah, our absolute pleasure. Um, hey, listen, if you like what you're listening to, if, if you love um, the information that you just received, um, definitely reach out um, to Jeff. You can find him wherever he, um, you know, all the places where he just kind of mentioned. Um, and also, do me a favor. Go to Apple Podcasts, right? Find MTMV Sports. That's what you're listening to now, right? What I want you to do is leave us a comment or a review. Um, let us know how we're doing. Let us know uh, what's going on. We feel I mean, just blessed to be able to be able to cover some of your favorite sports. All we want to do is hear from you and serve you the best way we possibly can. All right, this has been Rick Sincere with MTMV Sports, giving you some, for some people, way too early. For me, never too early draft talk. All right, have a great day. God bless. Hey, everybody, it's your boy, Damo. For all of you who listen to The Outsider's Edge and you own an Android device, do me a favor. Go over to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app now. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android devices. You can search for the podcast you want to listen to, select them as your favorites, and have them just a click away. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic, and it's available now for your Android device. Go get it.